Welcome back to another episode of Marvel News Desk, your best place to keep up with all the latest news, reviews, and speculation concerning Marvel films and TV shows. Uh, we are back with our usual panel. I'm Caleb. We've got Adam and Rhiannon. And uh, hey, guys, how are you doing? Are you having a lovely Saturday morning? Mm-hmm. Sure. I don't know where you're getting that excitement from. You're more hyped up than usual. I do kind of like the morning record where I'm not like exhausted from a day, but it always is harder. I know like because of the time difference for me and Rhiannon, it's like, oh, have a leisurely morning. Go get some brunch. Come back for 10 o'clock. Whereas for you, it's a little more like roll out of bed and get on the pot, I bet. (laughs) Yeah, you just said exhausted from the day. I'm at the point of the day where I'm exhausted from sleeping. All right. Uh, thankfully, we have some actual news to talk about this week. Everybody's back from Labor Day vacation, it seems, over at the studios. And so we're hearing some new things. Um, I'm going to start with Spider-Man talk. But I don't I think it's already close to Dead Horse uh, territory. So what I want to talk about, the uh, one of the Sony execs this week said that, quote, the door is closed for now, end quote. On Spider-Man and the MCU. Uh, Adam, as someone who works in PR, what is the purpose of using a phrase like, the door is shut for now? Like, does that help us with anything? Or does that just continue to antagonize people's like, oh, but it could be unshut tomorrow. Like, I'm not sure if there's an answer to that man it's it's going to uh, i mean it helps and hurts you depending on what side of the whole equation you're on you know like i said last week i i i thought i was pretty sure the deal was a lot more done or closed than many people think right everyone was still holding out hope for for a deal but the thing is he says the door's closed. They're still talking, or they're always going to talk, right? Spider-Man's the single biggest comic book character ever. It's not like Marvel Studios is is packed up, and, and they're never going to ever try getting Spider-Man back again. You know, I think late last night, the New York Post um, shared something that uh, Amazon was looking at buying Sony Pictures. Um, you know, which in that case, many think... Um, the Spider-Man rights would revert to Marvel Studios, right? And if anyone has enough money on the face of the planet to buy Sony Pictures, it's certainly Amazon. Um, so, you know, it's it's done for now, right? Um, yeah, we'll probably end up getting Holland in uh, a couple Sony-made movies, maybe. Certainly one. You know, certainly probably a cameo in an upcoming... Uh, um, you know, Venom 2 or Morbius. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. It's the thing with this whole digital news cycle. I'm not sure if it's if it's the, the Sony. I, I don't even know the Sony guy's name. Tony, Tony V, whatever his his last name is. You know, it's it's forcing these people to be a lot more candid. Right. Which is probably better in the long run for all of us. Um, it's none of this playing around or skirting because the suit, the second, uh, the second he teases something, right? This is something we see with Feige all the time. Feige says one thing and the entire news cycle is dominated by Kevin Feige teases Nova appearance. 
and Avengers Endgame or something like that, right? And this this whole environment, this whole news cycle of regurgitation aggregation um, is forcing them to be more candid. So we should applaud them for flat out saying, yeah, you know, this, this stuff's kind of done, right? Well, I guess my point was if the point of your interview is to get people to stop talking about it and walk away from it, then just say, yeah, the, the, the door is closed on Spider-Man. But the second that you close it with, for now, you know, it's kind of like, I don't know, it's like if some annoying guy was hitting on Rhiannon, and she's like, I am not going to go out with you today. Oh, good, so then he's just going to start calling tomorrow. You know, like, I just, it seems silly to me, even if it is still potentially open, if I'm Sony, I go, no, it's over, it's finished, we're not talking about this anymore. Instead of, like, finishing with hope, you know, like, I would never date you in a million years, so you're saying there's a chance. Like, it just seems a little foolish to me to, like, leave the door cracked. There's I, there there's two ways you can say the whole for now part, right? There's the way you said it, or you could say it, you know, it's over for now. It's it's kind of a more, and that's the thing. People are always going to talk, even even if he didn't say this, or even if he didn't, you know, if he didn't say for now, you know, we're still going to have the 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 manabites of the world and the the Patreon scoopers of the world saying, oh, you know, it's they're still talking sometime, right? And there's no way to verify that stuff. Um, so it's it's a never ending thing, but it it does just such feel like a dead horse already. Um. Yeah, of course the door's closed for now. Of course there could always be future negotiations. Of course, like, money talks. Um, so, I don't know. All of it seems like non-news to me. In this same interview, there's a suggestion that they're working on as many as five or six television shows for Spider-Man. Um, I have to admit, I'm very confused. Does Marvel TV have to be involved in a Spider-Man TV show or not? Like... It, my understanding has always been that Marvel's kept a lot of their TV rights. So, like, when Fox was making Legion and Gifted, they still had to work with Jeff Loeb on those things. And so I guess it's a little bit confusing fans as well to say, well, we're, we're, we're not working with Marvel anymore. We're also making TV shows. I mean, particularly if they're Spider-Verse TV shows, we know Marvel has a say over Spider-Man animation. Have either of you gotten any sense of what's going on with those contracts or what's really happening there? So I think, what was it? Marvel can make animated properties or animated shows with Spider-Man so long as they're under 45 minutes. <laughs> oh, is that the rule? I think. <laughs> I think so. No, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's exactly what it was. I can't remember where I saw that. I saw that on Twitter somewhere. Or was it, it was like an ancient entertainment thing or something of that nature. So maybe. I mean, it makes sense. We've seen Spider-Man. Well, they have that uh, the absolute carnage or absolute venom thing they're coming out with now. I can't remember the new Spider-Man show Marvel TV just announced or Marvel Animation just announced. And they have that new preschool show they're doing with Disney Junior and all that stuff. Right. Um I mean, Loeb didn't need to be involved with the Fox stuff, did he? He just was? My understanding was their deal was that Fox had to get permission to do TV from Marvel. 
But at the same hand, Marvel could not do X-Men shows by themselves. Like, they had to work together on that stuff. Let me put it this way. If you're FX and you have Noah Hawley, are you inviting Jeff Loeb into that mix? <laughs> right. I mean, who's going to run your Comic-Con panels if you it's don't? True. You need the chance. You, you guys say Liege. You guys say Un. Lee. John. Lee. John. All right, let's go to something uh, a little happier. We got some What If panels this week that showed us uh, T'Challa as uh, Star-Lord, and we saw some more of the Peggy Carter stuff. Uh, There was clarification that there are not going to be 23 episodes of What If. There's not a single episode for every movie. Uh, Do you guys feel better or worse about this project, knowing that we're not going to have to sit through 23 of them? I mean, I was fine with sitting with there being 23 of them. I don't feel like they're forcing us to sit down and watch all of them. And I kind of assumed there would be some that I would be more excited about than others. But yeah, I mean, if you're going to do it, I want time to go into each one deep. I don't want just enough to like spawn fan fiction. Because that's what these are, you guys. They're fan fiction AUs. That means we're going to inevitably get the uh, stan accounts that launch the petitions for spinoff shows and stuff like, like mm-hmm. sign the change.org petition to see the spinoff show for T'Challa as Star-Lord. I think it is, Adam, you're talking about like Feige saying something that dominated a news cycle. To me, this is a great example of where this happens, where Feige said something like, and our plan is to touch on all 23 movies in the MCU in these stories. And people go, oh, it's going to be 23 episodes with one episode devoted to every... And it's like, no, that's not that's not what he said. Slow down, you know, like... And then we get this clarification. No, you know, every movie is going to have some connection. But, like, Guardians and Black Panther will be connected in this one episode, not, like, each of them getting their own thing. Right. All right, last night on Twitter, uh, Daniel Richtman, who seems to be pretty good on Twitter, at Daniel PRK, I think is his uh, uh, handle, uh, teased that we were going to get official confirmation of something, and then it didn't happen. But he is saying that we are just days away from Disney Plus announcing a Power Pack show is finally happening. I think we've seen this, uh, I saw this rumored another Twitter account or two yesterday that this was coming soon. Uh, we've heard a lot of Power Pack rumors. Uh, I'm guessing that this is not all that surprising or interesting. Like, if it happens, we'd go, oh yeah, of course this is happening. Right. Um, HN said, I think late, late last night that it's an animated show for what it's worth. Um... I don't know. There's been one scooper that's been sitting on it, and I don't know why. Um, I'm not sure if they haven't gotten confirmation or what. But sure. I mean, I'll... Eh, I don't know. Power Pack's never intrigued me that much. Certainly, I'm not in their uh, target demo, so that's probably it. As we get more and more and more and more Disney Plus announcements, is there a point at which they start to lose, like, gravity? Like when we first got, like, I don't know, in July, we got San Diego. It was like, we're doing, and it was stuff we knew, but it was also, but we're also doing Hawkeye, and we're doing, you know, and like, everyone's like, woo! 
And then we got three more shows where it's like, we're doing She-Hulk, we're doing Miss Marvel, we're doing Moon Knight, and everybody gets excited. And they announce now, and we're doing a Power Pack animated show. Like, is there a diminishing return at which point you say, oh, there's 15 things happening at Disney Plus? It's hard for me. Like, it just feels like another one. Like, just chuck another one on the pile. Like, they're doing too much too quick. For me, I'm going more and more away. Like, I, I... And I think, like, we've seen this even in just the span of us doing this podcast. Like, I don't care if I see everything. Like, there's a Power Pack show. I know somebody with three little girls, four little girls is going to love that idea. (laughs) And that it's going to be great in that regard. You know, and that's their audience that they're going for. But I, I don't feel like they're talking to me. I don't feel like that news was for me. And I don't ever like i mean for me it's not even a piece of news i picked up on or noticed or cared about but i don't know that it's wrong for marvel to do that i mean i think it's awesome that they're doing a show that'll entertain four little girls because they sure as heck shouldn't be going and watching winter soldier or you know there might be stuff that they that they shouldn't you know they shouldn't be going and watching some of the darker stuff that that may or may not ever happen they it, it, it gives them a way to have something for every audience without making every audience feel like their story's pigeonholed into whatever it is. Um, I don't know about quality. I mean, we'll wait and see how Disney Plus, you know, the quality of the shows. And, you know, I think we'll definitely lose the interconnectedness. You know, how Feige will even keep track of that through all of the stuff that he announced at panels. Um, I think the idea of it all being deeply connected is going to get more and more lost. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think whatever, give a show for, for the little girls to watch on Disney plus that's Marvel based. Absolutely. Uh, I don't feel like I have to watch it. And it is really changing. I think rapidly. Where when all this stuff started, the MCU started, for a lot of Marvel fans, like, there was so much, like, built-up demand for, like, oh, I would like so much to see something comic on screen. Like, I think back to when, like, Blade and X-Men hit, and it was like, oh, this is so exciting. Like, the other day I looked back to think how many years it used to take to get the same amount of properties that now we're going to get in two years with phase four. I was like, all right, well, so if they were working on 14 different things, it took like a decade for me to see 14 Marvel properties when they first started. And now we're going to see them in two years. And so that thing where you get more selective and not everything is for you. And this like being a completionist, you know, where you want to see everything is going to get a lot harder. And I think it just, it does change the fandom a little bit where, you know, it used to be, if it's Marvel, I'm going to support it because I want to see more of it. But now I just can't possibly watch all of that. You know, even for us on the podcast, it's hard for us to keep up with all that stuff. Kind of along those lines, uh, we got a writer for Hawkeye. It's Jonathan Igla, uh, who apparently worked on Mad Men. This same phenomena I was noticing for this, like 
It used to be whenever we got a writer or director for a Marvel project, it would be a big deal and we'd talk about it in detail. At this point, there are so many dozens of people who are directing or writing a Marvel thing. It hardly is a blip, right? Like, we're not going to talk about this for more than 30 seconds because we don't know who this is and we have no idea if they'll be good. And the old thing we used to do were like, oh, do you think this will fit the property? How's it going to go? Blah, blah, blah. Like, we just, I just feel like we don't care anymore. <laughs> Pretty much. All right. Awesome. Uh, let's talk about something maybe a little more controversial. Uh, Scarlett Johansson came out in defense of of um, Woody Allen today, or this week. Uh, it was not received well by the internet, or at least the Twitters that I saw. I don't really want to, like, dump on ScarJo. I think she's had a lot of that this week. Um, I'm not saying that she didn't deserve it. I'm just saying it's happened a lot. Uh, let me ask this. Do you guys think that comments like this by an actress like Scarlett Johansson potentially affects the future of Marvel? Like, would this cause Kevin Feige, you think, to say, no, we're not going to do a Black Widow 2? Or is this just totally static that he doesn't even pay attention to? I mean, this isn't a new thing for her. She's said a lot of problematic things through the years. So if they're, you know, and they responded to it by giving her a movie. So I don't think Feige cares. I, I, it, it makes me sad because I thought I would have thought, I don't know. It, it, it brings to light how, um, problematic things can just become status quo and never be addressed and how I don't know. I, and that's what I don't, I, I'm not as deep into like following what all ScarJo said. I just know she has said problematic things in the past and there doesn't appear to be repercussions. So one, why would she stop saying what she believes in that regard? And two, I don't think Feige will change any of his She's the Antonio Brown of the MCU. <laughs> Jeez, what a mess. Adam, when, when ScarJo says stuff like this, like, do you think that, again, you've worked in PR, like, from Disney's perspective, do you just ignore it? Do you just move on? I wonder why, I wonder why this is happening. Who's not doing their job that's allowing it to happen? Like, she should have a babysitter in the room that when she goes... You know, the thing about Woody Allen, and they go, uh, 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 no, 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 <laughs> we're not talking about that. Well, I'm, yeah, exactly. I'm not sure, is it her PR team, or is it, who's allowing these interviews? Because every time we set up to talk with someone in the MCU, no matter their role, we have a Disney PR person on the call, or in the room, or something. Um... And that's been our experience as the show too. I mean, you're talking about your work on a comic right. book. Yeah, we, yeah. Every we had Emmy right? Iquiquer from Inhumans. There was somebody from ABC in the background of our phone call. Right. Um, like we talked on Slack. There was the one time I was talking with uh, D'Onofrio, and they kind of scoffed at a um, a Daredevil question. Right. So it's not like they don't control the stuff. At least in my experience. Um, but then again, it's totally possible um, that it was just like a one-on-one without any PR person. At the very least, ScarJo had to have her PR team people on site, right? 
maybe not from the studio or something because obviously she does more properties um, than what are in the MCU. Um, but it's hard to believe after the the string of events, her PR person's continuing to allow stuff like this to be published. Um, or, or what would she be saying if she didn't have those people? I mean, that's just what I get to thinking. I'm like, evidently she has these very, the, these, what I consider problematic opinions and she really wants to voice them. And despite all of the coaching and prepping and censoring and you know PR whatever she's still saying these things it just makes me wonder if she was speaking freely would I like this person at all and it's really interesting because she does maybe this isn't fair she has a kind of important role in the MCU as the only female Avenger in the first Avengers team like Brie Larson take something like that really seriously and is very conscious about the things she stands for and the things she says, you know, like, I don't know, maybe we have 5% of our listeners who think Woody Allen is a good guy, but most people are pretty like, you know, like he's just not popular and people really think he's gross. And you just would think that she'd have the brains to go, Oh, that's something I shouldn't talk about. She kind of has this attitude, and this came out with the thing about representation and race and what character she should play, where she's just like flippant, like, well, whatever, what I think is what I think, and I, you know, I don't care what anybody says about it. Just surprises me that she isn't more thoughtful, that's all. Who on earth wants to risk their career to defend Woody Allen? Well, then obviously it's not a risk to her career, and two, like... Obviously, she's just oblivious to what it means to people. I don't know. It just furthers the bad taste in my mouth for her. Rhiannon, I think you put it a very good way there that helped me kind of frame what I was trying to say. Like, she strikes me as someone that if you spent time with her, she is completely detached from reality. I mean, all that said, you know, Scar Joe's PR team, if you're listening, we'd totally love to have her on the pod. <laughs> That's true. We won't ask her anything you know controversial, <laughs> I promise. <laughs> right. Wouldn't that be awesome if we had her and, like, we could even, like, angle it like, well, listen, we're, you know, we're a podcast that has, you know, uh, a woman as, as part of our team, and we just really would like to highlight a female, you know, that's in the universe and they're like, okay, awesome. And so me and Adam are like throwing her softball questions. And then Rhiannon's like, hey, why are you so stupid? <laughs> yeah. yeah, That's exactly what I would be here for. All right. I want to wrap the news with two rumors. And I'm really torn on this. Like, I don't want to make this an expose on certain scoopers. But these both come from Do it. MCU Cosmic. I always struggle. MCU Cosmic has gotten some things very right. They were the first people to... Eternals. They were the first people to say Eternals is coming out. Okay, but what else? And we gave them garbage about it, and they were right. Um, They also thought that Avengers would be called Avengers Annihilation. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that was not so correct. But I don't know. Like, to me, there's three baskets. There's, like, the Charles Murphy basket, where I know that he's checked things out thoroughly before he says them. There's the MCU Cosmic basket. And then there's the we got this covered basket, right? Covered basket. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah, I and agree so, with that. Uh, so these two things came out of MCU Cosmic this week. And I guess my problem with them is they're just really vague. 
they're like, there's a rumor going around. And I'm like, did you get this from Reddit? Or did you get this from somebody at Marvel Studio? Like, at least, like when Charles Murphy does something, he usually goes, I have sources who've told me. And he's talking about sources at Marvel or Disney or whatever. Whereas this is like, I heard a rumor. Heard a rumor from where? Like, you can give us a little, and you don't give us the guy's social security number, but like, tell us where it's from. Anyway, so we don't, I don't love like sharing the stupid rumor of the week, but these come from this source that I think is maybe true. We'll see. Uh, the first idea is that Inhumans could get rebooted on Disney Plus sometime here in the future. And the other one is that Doctor Doom will be introduced via Disney Plus and then come into the Fantastic Four. Adam, do you think either of these has any validity to them? And what do you think about the ideas? Inhumans um, is much more likely than Doom on Disney+. Plus, I'm pretty sure... I think Doom's already been debunked. Um, I know someone who's debunked it, I guess. Or says they've debunked it. Uh, I mean, that's the thing. You could introduce Inhumans on, on the movie screen, and who's going to bat an eye? You know, even the select few that watched it are all going to be for it, right? right? I don't think I've met an Inhuman Stan, right? I don't think anyone out there is doing Save Inhumans. Um, there could be. Maybe I just haven't looked hard <laughs> enough. Um, but it's possible. But I, I've always got the vibes that, that they're, they're kind of doing with Eternals what they want to do with Inhumans, right? Um but maybe it's going to spin out of Eternals? Are, are they going to tweak it and not have the Inhumans be you know, involved with Terrigen and stuff? Rather, it's going to be a Eternal creation instead of Kree or, or something like that? So, the Eternals and the Inhumans do have connections in their histories anyways. Um some of the Eternals comics talk about the Eternals sort of watching the Kree create the Inhumans, like, from a distance. So, the thing that strikes me is that the Captain Marvel stuff and the history of the Kree on Earth, the idea from Spider-Man Far From Home that there's Kree sleeper cells, like, hanging out on Earth, I don't think it's a far jump to go to Inhumans. And I think it might happen someday. I just... You know, if you told me six years from now they're going to do an Inhuman something, sure, I believe that. But I don't think it's, like, a burning need. Um, I could see where it could happen really naturally, but I could see where it would be something they're not in a hurry for either. So, um, I would like to apologize. I have been real-time fact-checked. There is a... Uh... Wow, 360 people! Have signed the Save Marvels and Humans from getting canceled by ABC. And check out check out the grammar on that too. Like I know it's bugging me that they didn't capitalize ABC. No, like when you read through it, it's it's the 360 signatures keep it from being canceled, and uh, mostly because Maximus was a badass. But no punctuation or grammar. Rian, do you think we'll get Inhumans or Doctor Doom on Disney Plus, or is this just all silliness? I mean, so the difference between these scoopers and like Charles Murphy, who I mean, I think we lean on like pointing towards Charles Murphy because he's a friend of the show. Um, Charles may hear these exact same rumors, but he's not going to rush to Twitter and share them. He's going to wait and research and see what develops 
Yeah, he does. Yeah, he might do more of a vague booking. Like I just heard, like a really interesting reboot with an MCU or something like that. If he had heard this stuff, um, but he wouldn't come out and try to create headlines and everything with every rumor he hears because this stuff changes in development. It changes along the way. It may never happen. On the other hand, if you throw everything out there, and this is the shade I saw thrown this week, you know, I could go out and tweet, you know, rumor daredevil going to be rebooted in 2.5 years or something you could you could throw every rumor out there all of your fan theories or ideas and some stuff's gonna stick um which is all to say like maybe they are considering a doom tv show maybe they do have i mean we know they have plans for the fantastic four because feige mumbled it at the end of the san diego panel but, you know, it could be true, it could not be. The thing is, they throw so much they throw so much stuff at the wall that, and so little of it sticks that it might as well just be a fan theory. Which, I, sure, Doom TV show? Sure. In Humans Rebooting, I still would love to see a good Black Bolt. That is truly Black Bolt. Um... But I'm not, you know, holding my breath. It also helps me use language like considering. I mean, if Kevin Feige and Victoria Alonso, like, sit down and have lunch, and Feige goes, oh, what if we brought Inhumans back? And she goes, yeah, that'd be interesting. And then they move on to their egg salad. Like, is that, I mean, that's considerate. You know, like, whenever you use that kind of language, the smallest conversation can count. And if it doesn't happen, you can always go, oh, well, it just didn't, it, 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 it didn't go anywhere. You know, the consideration stopped. So it's just, it's just too easy to like explain away. You know? All right. Uh, I think that does it for our news this week, unless I miss something of significance. Um, I do have something I could probably okay. share. Okay. Um, a little bit of a Hellstrom scoop. You guys want Ooh, it? We should create. It's not really a scoop. I should insert, like, scoop music here, like, news alert. Ticker, come on, Adam. And it's, uh, I have to swear because it's a quote. It's not, it's not that big of, uh, so I've talked to someone who's read all scripts, and they say, quote, it's gonna be scary. Oh. So it's not a super big scoop, but apparently... It's, uh, they're focusing on the horror aspect over it, over comic book aspect. So take that for what you will. The biggest thing to me is there's actually scripts for this. Which brings the next thing. Um, I haven't, I've been, I've been in Vancouver starting October 7th. There is a show that's starting filming in Vancouver, British Columbia under the working title Omens. Omens, right? Yes, Omens. Um, it's it's the production company behind it is owned by Walt Disney. Um, the same production company is um, has done a bunch of ABC Signature Studios or ABC Signature whatever properties in the past. Um, so it's more than likely a Marvel thing. Um, and this is from like production, production week, weekly stuff. 
No, no, no. Well, Production Weekly says it's produced by Kevin Feige for Disney Plus, which isn't the case because I don't think Kevin Feige's producing anything for ABC Signature. Um, so I don't know. I, I, the thing that's more interests me, I guess, is New York is um, traditionally been Marvel TV's big outing, right? So I wonder if. That could lead us to getting like Hellstrom casting news or a surprise appearance by Ghost. I know. That's why it'd be a surprise. At what panel? The Runaways. (laughs) Why not? So we didn't talk about this. New York Comic Con panels came out and the only Marvel movie or TV stuff that's happening is a Runaways. And what's stopping them from, from amending that? We still got three weeks and stuff. But when it came out, we talked about how it's shocking how little they had to share from Marvel TV, given what Marvel TV usually does there. And then there was the, um, on Twitter yesterday, there was like, see our new trailer for Ghost Rider. I was like, ooh, finally. And it was a trailer for a comic book. And so. Yeah, I mean, where, where, where is it? Where's the excitement? Adam says it's filming in Vancouver in October is what's happening. Something is. Which they have to, I mean, you'd think they'd do something. Maybe even a trade type reveal surrounded by, uh, in conjunction with New York, I guess, like they did with S.H.I.E.L.D. in San Diego. It just seemed bizarre that with that, the last biggest con of the year, they would uh, totally skip doing anything especially if they had a show starting the day after the convention you know it does remind me of cloak and dagger a little bit where like we knew that show was coming and they even did like the off-site cookie thing that we've (laughs) endlessly mocked and that show took forever to actually come out you know like so i don't know we'll see speaking of which uh are we getting a third season it's not, it's got to be moving to Hulu, right? After the crossover, maybe that'll be announced at the Runaways panel. So we're having a New York Comic Con meetup again, um, in conjunction with the Save Daredevil folks. But details I haven't put it together, uh, and it's probably going to be at the same time as that Runaways panel. So sorry, guys, you'll have to choose us or them. Is Charlie Cox going to be there since he's in New York now? I can neither confirm nor deny Charlie Cox will be there, but he is in a Broadway show in the same neighborhood, and it's a matinee night, and which means he has to work. He has to work. He won't be there. So she can she can deny. <laughs> All right, we're going to jump into our main conversation, and let me say this up top. Uh, We are in a bit of a dearth of Marvel content, as we just mentioned. I guess we'll get Runaways in December, and that's the next thing that's happening. Legion's gone, Gifted's gone, all the Netflix shows are gone. There's not a Marvel movie coming out until May. Um, So yeah, Uh, if you have a good idea for a topic for us to talk about, let us know, because we're staring down the barrel of a solid six months here of... Uh, no easy topics. So <laughs> it's just getting started, and we don't know what to do. <laughs> well, we might have to go to every other week podcasting. Potentially, yeah, we'll see. I mean, 
I would say we'll look at the ratings, but I haven't looked at them in a long time. We could be the most popular podcast on the internet, and I wouldn't know the difference. Could we? I mean, we could be, sure. Uh, I have we? noticed a lot more Twitter followers lately. Like, you, you personally or Marvel? Because you've been tweeting that Boycott Spider-Man like it's going out of style, and that's probably uh, is why. that it? Like, ah, he's an ally. we got to follow right. him. So we thought today, we have talked many times on this podcast about how we think Marvel should have their own convention. And uh, we thought it might be fun today to brainstorm ideas that we can send along to the good people at Marvel about what a Marvel convention really should look like. And so we're just going to kind of talk through what that could be. Obviously, Disney has a convention called D23. Star Wars has Star Wars Celebration. It's about time that Marvel has a Marvel exclusive uh, convention. So let me start with this question. Why do you guys think this hasn't happened yet? Because why put forth that time and effort on their own when other folks do and they can just focus on their product and the key pieces of it? I mean, also, Disney has theme parks with Avengers Worlds or the Avengers Campus. Avengers Campus. I mean, they they want you to go to that. One of the things I've thought about as we've talked about it is would it step on D23's footsteps? To I mean, they managed to keep San Diego and D23 happy. Star Wars still does Star Wars Celebration and also keep you know have something for D23. So I don't I don't think that's too much of a preventative thing. But I'm I'm wondering if it's there. Uh, but I, I also see where. People would kind of say there already are comic conventions, right? I don't think there's any comic stuff at D23, is there? Did they? Yes. I saw, I mean, Dark Horse, they have like a show floor, right? Dark Horse was there with selling their Disney licensed comics. If they did a Marvel convention, how how often do you think they should have? Like, should it be every two years thing? Should it be an every year thing? Do you think you'd attend? I mean, you both are experienced convention goers what would it take to get you jazzed about an idea like this well first it has to offer more than d23 san diego new york um and in order to do that i think i mean one you'd have all your traditional con stuff you'd have your booth you'd have your swag you'd have you know some panels with artists and stuff um I think having an artist Sally that just gets blown out of the water would be really cool. Um, I think having some insight, you know, Marvel does their retreats twice a year or is it quarterly? They do these like retreats, like show us stuff that you can only see there, you know, like give us some stuff that's only there. And then beyond that, have some like interactive, I think what, what at cons really, really, takes it a step above for me is when they have interactive stuff that you really truly can't do anywhere else so um in san diego last year they had a cloak and dagger thing where they actually hooked you to stunt equipment and like you you and another person touched and they and you got pulled apart like actual stuntmen get pulled apart to make it look like something's blowing up and then they gave you a video of that i think a lot of stuff like that would be fun um, it would make it stand apart. Um, but even that, they have a theme park. 
So I, I don't know what it would take. Adam, do you have ideas? I'm surprised. I, I'm really surprised it hasn't been done yet. I mean, we we see it with Star Wars Celebration, right? What makes Star Wars any different from Marvel? I would think there should be less content for Star... I mean, I know Star Wars has novels and all the history of comics and stuff, but there just can't be less stuff than Marvel. Marvel's been pumping out 50 books a month for 60 years, you know? Right. We're, we're talking so many comic books we're talking... I mean, Marvel Studios alone has 15 announced projects they're working on, and then two years. Um, There's all sorts of the contents there. Um, I guess I just don't know what's holding them back. You would think it's a gold mine um, for Disney, Um, especially if they were to do like the the big San Diego reveal at. at MarvelCon or what have you. Now, did, does San Diego pay Marvel Studios to be there? I think it's the other way around. Yeah, because, you know, like, when you ask why was would DC, like, skip like they did this last year, it's just because it costs too much for them not to have enough stuff to share. So in that case, yeah, why not? Why not spend the same money for a whole convention center and go buck wild? I'm sure that's... I would hate to see, you know, the uh, price tag behind renting Anaheim or something for a weekend. I mean, it's really, I mean, it's really hard for cons to break even. So maybe without having outside vendors that come in and pay for vendor space. I mean, that's where a lot of that money comes from is all of those vendors on the show floor are paying to be there. So if you don't have outside vendors, which of course you could, you could have Hasbro, you could have Funko, you could have, you know, vendors that sell Marvel stuff there. But um, maybe without as much of that, yeah, and also maybe those vendors don't want to be there if they know that it's all Marvel, and, you know, like if Marvel's checking more closely on copyright infringement and stuff. Um, Because if you're at the Marvel Con, it's almost like you're endorsed by Marvel. So it's probably just not a moneymaker when you go that deep. Yeah, I wonder, I just would be excited to see maybe a different, like, concept. Like, we've seen New York Comic Con rent out the theater at Madison Square Garden. What if you rented out all of Madison Square Garden? And so, like, the con floor was, like, the floor of the, like, basketball arena? You know, like, you just laid that out as concrete, and that's where all your vendors were? It was a one-day show... And then all the, you know, all of the panels were up in the theater. Like, I don't know. I just feel like there should be a model that's something other than a giant convention center. I just feel like there could be something creative. I'd love, like, I was thinking about something that would do some kind of tour aspect where, like, you sign up for a bus time and they take you over to Marvel HQ and let you, like, walk around the bullpen and see how they make comics. Or if they did it out in L.A., they actually, like, drove you out to the set of an active Marvel production, you know, to like let you see behind the scene. Like it seems like there's ways that they could do targeted different stuff that would be really exciting and that people would pay a lot of money to go do. Okay. So, uh, Feige con, just go to Kevin Feige's house. <laughs> Kev's it's a, pool it's party. a 15 person convention and every ticket costs $50,000. <laughs> I was about to say, that sounds more like a uh, tour company. 
um, you know, a tour experience. Do they do a Marvel Cruise? Uh, Disney does Disney Cruises with a special focus on Marvel. Okay. But you're not going to have, like, a Disney Cruise and... I don't know. I'm trying to think of C-list Marvel characters from the movies. Like, you know, the daughter from Ant-Man shows up. Um, right. The, Come hang out with Finn Jones. Yeah. Lost at sea. This is uh, Madame Gal. No, thank you. Madame, <laughs> she's an old lady that's not in anything else anyways. I have been amazed, I mean, I think we've talked about this, that there's not something in New York that's like the Marvel experience. Like some kind of touristy thing at Marvel HQ. They just have like the le- a level of a building with like, you know, first issues and rare art and like Stan Lee's desk. You know, like I would think that they would create some kind of attraction for people to go to. All right, last time we heard, you know, we heard of a tour group that tried going on a tour and they got denied hard. So they totally don't have that in the works. Um, I mean, they do stuff in New York city and I know there's one in California. They have the Paley center for the arts and they'll do stuff like that. Like right now they have an, they had an exhibit last week for like marvelous Mrs. Maisel. And they had a bunch of stuff from the set there. They had like interactive, you can sit in the stuff and pretend like you're on set and they have a space for um, presentations you know, like they have an auditorium where they'll sometimes do interviews and groups and stuff. So, I mean, there's stuff like that in New York. It's just that it's not a standing exhibit focused on Marvel. Um, but I still don't understand why Marvel doesn't maybe do more like that. Like they could easily, that ta- doesn't take up much space at all. I, 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 you know, if they did something like that underneath the Marvel offices, which is pretty much where this venue was, um, you could charge 30 bucks a head and people would do it. So if they did create a Marvel convention, do you think it would be every two years? Would it be too much to try it every year? Like is star Wars celebration, a fair model you think for what they could do? I think so. Someone on Facebook, that might be Michael T. Ford points out star Wars had the, the three decades of following, but I don't, you'd still think there's the support there, right? I mean, of course, um, CB's publishing initiatives aren't going to um, let a con run, right? I mean, you can only stretch the next big event for uh, so long. But there's so much TV. Well, I shouldn't say there's so much TV in the works because there's not really. Um, But, you know, studios, everything. You would think there's enough content. Well, and we're getting to a point now where we could do reunion stuff, like... If they got Ryan Reynolds and um, Wesley Snipes and, you know, like all the old Blade people to get together for like a 20th anniversary of Blade panel, that that would have to have some sizzle to it. I think some people would be excited about that. You know, we're just past the 20th anniversary of um, X-Men 1. You know, if you got Patrick Stewart and uh, Ian McKellen and all those people, Famke Jenkinson, whatever her name is. Jensen, I can't ever say her name, but Jean Grey, you know, like if you got all those people, Hugh Jackman in a room to like talk about the experience of making X-Men and gave behind the scenes looks at how they filmed that movie. 
I think that would be exciting to people. I mean, that's the kind of stuff they do at Star Wars Celebration. You think Wesley would actually show up for something like that? I think if you pay him enough money, Wesley will show up for a lot of things. I mean, is his IRS stuff totally in his past, or is there still some uh, back payments required? (laughs) True, I don't know. All right, do you guys have any more thoughts on that before we uh, move on to our mailbag? Um, did, you wanted to talk location. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Did you bring that yeah, in? Where yeah, th- where, where would they have it? Do you think it should move? Do you think it should be in one place? Wells Fargo Arena in Des Moines, <laughs> Iowa. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> Rhiannon, you've been to a lot of cons. Uh, do you feel like it's better to go to, like, a touristy spot like because to me san diego is kind of like hey let's put it in a tourist town whereas new york is like hey let's put in a town that's so big that most new yorkers probably don't even know it's happening you know like what's the best experience and and i think that is like the exact difference you know do you want it to be a town where the whole town is like okay this weekend we're marvel like every single place you go out to eat everything is marvel or do you want it to be somewhere that you might um I mean, the cool thing about New York Comic Con is is a lot of people that never thought about going to a con get Comic Con up in their face. Um, you have people that like you know came to New York to go to the theater, or whatever, and then next thing you know, they're sitting next to a table full of nerds. Um, and so there's some cool aspects to that. Um, I I think it's just easier if you're in a bigger city that it's not you know i mean san diego is san diego but it's hard like it's really hard i mean and and obviously this thing in the first year wouldn't be san diego level like sell out and hotels booked up a year in advance and everything like that but um it makes it less accessible for the everyday fan and I think it would be better if it was in a location that was accessible to the everyday fan. Even, like, Atlanta, uh, which is easy to fly in and out of. It's a bigger city. There's a lot of Marvel history there. You could do a whole lot there. And it's also an area that doesn't have... I mean, they have Dragon, Dragon Con. Um, never mind. They have Dragon Con. They have a big con that happened this past weekend. Um, is that the Iron Fist convention? Oh, no, that's right. There's no dragons in Iron Fist. <laughs> so i mean i i think a bigger city um i I think it's just easier to do a big con in a bigger city it's easier for the fans too i mean you're more likely to have more hotel options you're likely to have you know reasonable dining options and i i don't think it takes away from the overall con experience you know when you're around all of this it's going to be wall-to-wall fans. So even if you go five blocks away and it's not wall-to-wall fans, you're still going to have a good experience. It does amaze me there's not more of these conventions, at least on the comic side, in Las Vegas, right? Like, that seems like the perfect town to have a comic convention because there is plenty of hotel rooms, plenty of eating. You know, people can you know, gamble and see a show as well as go to the con. You know, I just, that's what all the San Diego haters want. They wanted to move to Las Vegas. Oh really? And I'm telling you guys, I went, I mean, have you guys ever been to a convention in Las Vegas? Like of any sort? 
Now, believe it or not, my industry, uh, Las Vegas, is not particularly the uh, place they sign up for. <laughs> PrayerCon 2019 is not in Vegas. I went to the World Equestrian Games in Las Vegas, which let's put on a horse show. Um, let's put on a hoity-toity horse show in Las Vegas. Um, God, I hated it. I hated it so much. I hate Vegas so much. Like, yes, there's a lot there. There's a lot of hotels, but it's so spread out. It's so impersonal. It's it's Vegas. It's just Vegas. Um, so I am not on Team Vegas. I have heard that, uh, at least from the Super Bowl, Indianapolis is a little bit the opposite of that. Like, it's really well compact and, like, everything is right next to each other. So, like, even though they were in Indianapolis for the Super Bowl, the journalists kind of liked that year because they said it was a good town for that kind of thing. Yeah, they like Indianapolis and New Orleans. Because in New Orleans, all of the hotels are right there at the... I mean, New Orleans is a super compact city. Um, So it's the same way, too. Uh, To me, New York would be a perfect... If you're going to do a Marvel con, because Marvel is so New York-centric... New York is just the way to go, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I... I mean, that's what... It either has to be New York or do it somewhere totally random like Des Moines. Um, or Atlanta. Schedule it around the uh, Hawkeye production schedule. I mean, serious... Well, you know, we said this right... It would be so interesting if they actually let people into Pinewood to see, like, a real movie set, like... I think people would dig that if there was some way to make it happen, you know? Yeah, that's where I think um, I think Atlanta would be cool because it would open up some of those opportunities. But does anybody really want to be putting money into the Georgia economy? I mean, Disney's not up and moving out, but... Eh. It seems like no, that... People got real upset about it, and then, um, yeah, and then nothing really happened with it, so. I mean, you know, have Scarlett Johansson as your headliner and put it all in Georgia and, you know, see who shows up. All right, uh, let's do the mailbag. Uh, over on the website, uh, Love Waffle was just saying it's too early to tell on his excitement level on Disney Plus stuff. Uh, he also had a theory, which I had not considered, which is terrifying, um, that if the net neutrality stuff is as bad as people think it might be, that AT&T might take advantage of their telecom ability to try to throttle back Disney Plus and make it, you know, a less enjoyable experience than, say, HBO. Uh, I really hope that doesn't happen. That's terrifying. Like, I would think there's enough money to be made that Disney will grease the palms to make sure that doesn't happen. Over on Twitter, we had a few mentions, people looking for podcasts. I know Charles Murphy uh, suggested that people check us out. There was also another tweet by at ITK Moon Knight, I think, that uh, talked about our podcast. So we appreciate people uh, encouraging uh, people to listen to us. Over in the live stream, uh, Michael T. Ford had a great idea to try to do one of the Marvel convention uh, at a theme park like Disneyland once they open their Marvel Avengers deal, which would be really cool. Uh, I think that's a good idea. All right, guys. I think that does it for today. Thanks for listening to the podcast. You can support us lots of ways. If you want to talk to us, send us messages on Twitter or on our posts each week. 
Uh, also, you can support the show on patreon.com slash marvelnewsdesk. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash marvelnewsdesk. We appreciate you guys listening, and uh, that's the reason we do it. It's because people enjoy it. I uh, hope you guys have a good week, and we'll talk to you later. Bye.